Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Munchers. I'm Mathian. And I'm Adrian. Yes, you are. Um, we're going to get into it with the general news before we break down our episodes. So without further ado, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the world's first airport for flying cars and drones opens this year. Do you know about that Big Apple? So I've heard. First you've heard of it. Well, it's important, according to this article, Urban Airport has chosen to build its first Air One transport hub for autonomous delivery drones and electric flying cars next to the Rycock Arena in Coventry, UK. So it's out there where the chip eaters are. The futuristic facility will launch later this year. It will support delivery drone and air taxi technology and eventually transport cargo and people across cities. What I want to know, Big Apple, is are you going to own a flying car in 20 years or what? You about this? You about this? Uh, this future or not really? You're going to stay on the ground. So I'm confused. Uh, do they? They're not providing the flying cars yet, right? Nope. Because that, that doesn't exist. Well, here's the thing, actually. I, so, did, I did a deep dive on this the other day. And in the sci-fi sense, no, they don't exist. But there are technically like plane car hybrids that exist that people call flying cars. Just like there's no such thing as hoverboards. But they have like those little, you know stickless two-wheel yeah segway yeah. things well they do they, they do have these okay. really compact planes on wheels so they have wings and they can they can fly there's a few different models i've actually looked around uh prior to this and so and then uh furthermore as battery technology gets better they're actually building uh drones that people can sit in all electric drones and that's why this uh this came to be this world's first airport for the flying cars and drones because uh, at a small scale they're if you want to call them prototypes they exist and uh they're not very economically friendly you got to be pretty rich to own one or use one but i mean uber's trying to get in that future uh i think lyft eventually might so they're definitely trying to break into the industry it's just a matter of how compact can we get our energy you know there's, right. there's actually uh there's a reason for it big apple yeah it sounds this sounds interesting yeah, it's super interesting. No, that's why I was picking your brain about it, because obviously, I mean, even you saying that doesn't exist right now. Well, not in the tradition, like not in the way we imagine it, but it's emerging is what I'm saying. It's an emerging technology. And I think in 20 years time, if they keep throwing money at this and they keep developing it and, you know, batteries get lighter and more efficient, and more energy dense, it can definitely be a reality. And that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, if it becomes commercially available and you got the money to drop on that, are one of these going to be parked in your garage? That's what I want to know, Big Apple. Is is that what it would be, or or would it be like a like a service? Like, would we have to go to that station in order to access the the flying car? The way I understand it is that it's definitely going to be service based. It's certainly going to be in dense and populated cities where there's actually a demand for it. Like, I don't think you know Kansas. It's not going to be like super popular there unless they have long range ones, but. My point is, is that it's going to be service-based. That's why Uber is trying to get into it. Uh, if you can go to a, like a city like New York where the traffic's horrible, most people don't even own cars. Um, if you can just fly above all that nonsense and you know, get from point A to point B for relatively cheap, it's definitely going to be a service-based thing first, kind of like uh, Elon Musk's uh, boring company. You know, if they can avoid traffic and travel right, across yeah. the West, people will do it. So that's kind of the idea here. So it would definitely will be service-based and more of a commercial commodity kind of thing as far as the transport's concerned. Let's say even 20, 40 years after that, if it's super you know, commercially viable and available, is this something you'd buy into? Or are you going to stay on the ground, Big Apple? That's what I want to know. Are you about this life? I mean, yeah, it would, it would definitely be pretty interesting of an experience to uh, travel that way. Hell yeah, it would. Um, yeah, if, if, it, if it's efficient, if it makes sense. Yeah, why not? Why not? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> here's a here's a little bit of a, a wow or 
kind of darker headline, but uh, caught my eye. El Salvador's top surfer dies at 22 after being struck by lightning. Let me provide some context here. Reddit user Carney said, Saldorian surfer here, been doing it for the past 25 plus years. He actually saw Catherine, the woman who died, grow up from a distance. Her brother Bamba was a national champ and a big influence down here. This was a freak accident, he said. She had just got back from training in Mexico and wanted to hit her local spot. She was just getting in the water, no rain, and got hit. People are quick to blame recklessness, and it wasn't like she was jumping in with a thunderstorm going off, which I initially thought. And there was a lot of other people around, too. It's incredibly sad, and it's the first time in his in this guy's life he's heard about someone getting struck by lightning down there. She apparently was a young, promising athlete full of life, passionate about the sport. Her family's devastated. So it's a sad story, but I, it kind of blew my mind because I'm like, you know, people are like, oh, that's like getting hit by lightning. But I can't imagine without a thunderstorm just going out to do some surfing and then, you know, having a life end. It's pretty sad. So I, I don't understand. So was there not a storm? How could there be lightning? So that's that's a wonderful science question. So um, the way I understand <laughs> it, the way I understand it, and I'll fact check myself in a second yeah. here, is that there must have been, for whatever reason, if there was like a, maybe a storm formation out in the distance or a lot of particles charged up for whatever reason, because I know I know the equator, if I'm not mistaken, that's like one of the most, uh, like around the globe, it's one of the most active places uh, for like lightning strikes and thunderstorms. Um, but I guess there was a lot of charged particles, you know, negatively either on the ground or in the sky. And then with lightning strikes, mm-hmm. it's usually from the ground up because it's like, energy being released and being dissipated into the atmosphere like in a split second like a huge charge up of i guess static electricity and i guess she really got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time i really don't know how that could happen without a lightning storm yeah that sucks that really does suck yeah here's another left turn (laughs) this isn't exactly news news but it's something i really wanted to talk about because it kind of crosses all my fascination checklists off I don't know if you've heard of this, but Tom Cruise apparently is working with NASA on the first movie filmed in space. You heard of this, Big Apple? No, yeah, this is all news to me. Wait, 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 wait. This is news <laughs> to you, Big Apple? I'm breaking this to you? Yeah, yeah, this is breaking news. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, here's the scoop, Big Apple. So um, so this broke, I think, last May. Uh, Tom Cruise will officially be going to space in October 2021 to shoot a still-untitled filmed helmed by the Edge of Tomorrow director Doug Liman, or Lyman. Uh, Cruise and team will be filming aboard the ISS, a NASA administrator by the last name of Jim revealed last May. The upcoming film will be the first movie ever shot in space if it goes as planned. The film is reported to be a $200 million universal project, according to Deadline. No other details have been revealed at this time. Um, it's reportedly, well, actually, before I say this, what do you think it's for? Like, what, what do you think he's filming up there? Well, the headline says for a movie, right? Yeah, a movie, but like I'm, I think, I'm asking what franchise? Like, what, what do you think he's going up there for? Is it, is it not Mission Impossible? See, that's what I thought too. But then uh, according to a few articles, yeah. it's reportedly not a Mission Impossible <laughs> movie. And that the script is still being written. And I'm like, so you just, you're like, yeah, we got Tom Cruise and $200 million. Let's send him up to space with like, what, no script? Like, are they going to go up there and do improv? I'm like, how are they writing this on the fly? That's insane. Um, so I, I mean, allegedly it's not that we don't, we don't know yet, but hmm. I, I'm really excited for this as someone who loves space and I'm like, yeah, Tom Cruise is cool and all. He's still putting out movies. They're not all hits, but he does have some bangers and I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this. Cause you know him, he's all about stunts, you know, holding his breath in mission impossibles, you know, f- like running down the Burj Khalifa, you know, you, we know Tom Cruise, big A, we know Tom Cruise. Think there's any chance of it just being a documentary? Um, I don't think that's Tom Cruise's style, honestly. If you wanted to make a documentary, 
in space, I feel like you could just send any old chum up there. Tom Cruise, this is a win-win for everyone because it, it might, I don't know, I don't want to say further his career, but it can certainly be a highlight to do, quote unquote, the first real stunt in space. And on top of that, it's a huge PR boost for NASA and everyone who works with them. Like, I think he's even going up uh, on one of Elon Musk's uh, rockets. You know, Elon, Elon Musk, he loves, he's not a stranger to the spotlight and he'll definitely take all the, uh, all the publicity he can get. And why that's important is because uh, Elon Musk and other companies are racing to make space tourism a thing and, you know, bring costs down and make it more affordable to go up there for the Uber rich and those who have disposable income and eventually they're trying to make it more and more affordable so like the rest of us can do it as well but this is kind of a stepping stone it kind of brings space back into the mainstream again and i think that's a huge reason why it's synergistic for everyone involved are you excited big apple or you're like meh <laughs> yeah i'm just um processing. i, I want to see yeah yeah i want to understand what it is that they're they're attempting to do well i i was reading some more articles because i was also seeing trying to see what they're going to do and you know them they'll keep things close to the best and they will quote make more announcements when you know the time's right but i can kind of see it now i'm like maybe they do a stunt similar to what they try to pull off in gravity you know where like someone gets disconnected from a tether and there's a whole bunch of nonsense going off and i don't i really don't know like what kind of stunt can you do on a spacewalk besides that well maybe maybe they would keep it inside the the shuttle that would be cool too, but they kind of had a scene like that in one of those movies as well, where like a fire breaks out and they have to like escape and all that. Yeah, I don't know, like how how much how much drama could they have in there? Are they, is he gonna are they gonna bring prop guns and like have a shootout on the space station? I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to see what they do. Yeah, I'm sure there there'd be some kind of um safety regulations that they would have to stay stay within. Exactly, and so maybe that's why the script's still being written because they I don't want to say they're gonna improv it, but. They might have to figure out, like, as they go or as it gets closer, what they can and can't do aboard the space station. So, all right. Well, that's actually all the articles I had today. I didn't find as many that interested me this week. Um, so we'll be back in a moment. All right, Big Apple. Are you ready to talk of Superman and Lois Episode 5, Big Apple? Tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So we open with uh, Soups on TV picking up the slack around the globe. We get the setup that Eliza is finally coming for the festival to see Jonathan and Sarah asks Jordan out and then boom, Jordan gets dumped over the phone and he begins to spiral. <laughs> um, the boy that disappeared a few episodes back magically shows up and Lois interviews him. He sees Jumpy and Sharon, his mom, wants them to drop the story they've been like pursuing a few episodes back with Morgan Edge and the whole thing is sketch all around, right? We actually finally see Lex in his Breaking Bad RV, and he confers with his computer saying, you know, wherever Lois Lane goes, Superman follows. So it's nice to see him back after an episode two or two. So Derek Powell is the, the missing minor dude, right? And he calls uh, Lar, Leslie Lar is her name, that lady you suspected was from Man of Steel, uh, at the donation place, and like then lasers the building on fire, right? I'm like, bruh. Hey, can you hear me? Now I can. Where'd you go, Big Apple? I've been right here all the time. Wow, I thought you left me. All right, well, I'm going to keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> so um, we see a flashback to uh, a very smallville teenage Clark, and he, we see him play vigilante and stop some thieves from stealing some old dinosaur TVs, breaking guns in half and all the awesomeness. I, I really like the, the self-aware jokes they're making in the script where like the robbers are like, careful, this is really high-end equipment, and you just see like freaking dinosaur TV you used to play the Wii on. Soup stops the donation fire, but not before all the donations are destroyed, like that one firefighter's lungs. 
And Jonathan tries to get cheered up by Lois after she finds out he got dumped. He isn't having it. Uh, Lois tries to get info about the scene from a hurt Kyle before walking away and bumping into Lex, who's posing as one Marcus Bridgewater, a Reuters tech reporter. He tries to dig on her relationship with reporting on Superman, insinuating she knows him better than anyone. And they exchange info as she sends him off to find juicy details. How long until Lex reveals or can't hold back his feelings for her anymore? Is he going to make like a grand play in an episode or two? Or... He's going to play the long game because he reveals later that he definitely was either married or in a serious relationship with her on his earth. And now he has to deal with seeing her with Clark Kent. Um, the, I, I think it might take a few episodes, maybe like two or three. Sure. Um, I, I don't know how quick he'd, he'd be on like, op, op, like um, revealing he in another world was in a relationship with her right yeah that's fair uh, i don't know because what i don't understand the main intentions of lex luther is it to kill superman because he's he perceives him as a danger to society or is this all a ploy for him to date lois or well the way i understand it is that kind of both i mean they kind of do go hand in hand but the thing is his his first and foremost, his mission was to stop Superman because his version of Kal-El is evil, probably ends the world or, you know, decimates everyone he loves and cares about at the very least. And so that's his number one goal while he's here. He's like, I'm here. He can't really control the fact that he's there, but he can control that he's going to put an end to Superman because he can't be trusted. And they haven't showed it, but maybe he even... No, I don't think he kills Lois Lane in his world. That's a jump. But the fact of the matter is is that some dude who's not him yeah. is with this world's Lois Lane, and that gets to him. So, yeah, I think he's going to definitely play it up for two or three more episodes, try and gain her trust, you know, get close to her, become a, a worthy, you know, re- reporter, colleague, all that good stuff. And we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But it's definitely i'm very interested uh, as to where they're going with him because he's they're taking their time building him up and and showing you what he's doing behind the scenes and uh, as they as well they should and he's not you know villain of the week or anything like that so i'm really i'm really looking forward to seeing how it all bubbles up and probably it's probably going to be a mid-season finale thing or possibly the finale finale thing depending how far they go with it yeah yeah i like that they're sticking to two three characters uh two three villains uh, rather than Kind of like a flavor of the, of the yeah week. exactly we've kind of had one of those with what's his face mr sonic gun but but yeah, yeah that's just to further the plot line um um so sticking in, in thinking that this lux luthor that like doesn't even look like their lex luthor because lois did, did mention that's correct they yeah like he was wasn't the nicest person like in their in their version i would assume he's the villain sure so uh, he is the villain on their earth and assuming they kept the same i'm pretty sure they didn't just throw away the luther they used on supergirl so that white bald middle-aged luther that they had with the beard um who had all that shenanigans Mm -hmm. in crisis is definitely the one she's referring to because she's actually met him on an occasion or two uh back yeah exactly so that's definitely the one this lois is referring to and, you know, when he said, oh, yeah, I worked for Luther Corps, da-da-da-da-da. And she said, yeah, he's not the nicest, whatever she said. That's definitely who she was referring to. That's why he's able to say he is who he is, and she doesn't think anything of it. Because it doesn't even right. remotely resemble the Luther right. she knows. 
So after Lois sends off Luther or Marcus Bridgewater to do some uh, investigative reporting, uh, we get our family fight scene. Yay! So Jonathan <laughs> rips into his dad because he's normal and this town is ruining his life. <laughs> and um, he asks to move back to Metropolis with some older friends and Clark says no. Johnny erupts and says, you know, maybe he'll do it anyway because Jordan did the same with football and he was fine, right? So I was like, true, facts, facts. John decides to start drinking at the Harvest Fest with the other idiots from the football team and Jordan goes off on his own waiting for Sarah. Kyle Cushing sings an old song in Spanish to Sarah in a drunken stupor and she isn't having it and leaves to the Harvest Fest. I was like, a cool moment. Didn't really land for me. Um, <laughs> missing minor dude, <laughs> Derek Powell makes out with Leslie Lar after meeting her in secret to receive more secret Kryptonian super serosoldrum therapy. And then Sarah finally shows up and she and Jordan are kind of having a moment at the Harvest Fest when Jonathan shows up wasted and teases his brother, setting Sarah off. John apologizes as they walk away and Clark and Lois walk up and Clark immediately clocks that his son is drunk. Um, enraged, they send him home. That's that. Clark flies off to intercept and fight super soldier Derek Powell and Lex watches and trails them and even shoots a Red Sun RPG. At least that's what I gathered it was. And it you know slows them down, like knocks them out of the sky, enables their powers inert for a little bit. And this destabilizes Derek's abilities and it causes his resurrected body to like explode or vanish essentially. It all ends, and the family has a meeting, and Clark gives his son, Jonathan, a get-out-of-jail-free card because young Clark left home when he was at his age, and he urges Jonathan to give this town a little longer so he can find his path here, and if not, they can discuss other options, blah, 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 blah. It's not really the turn I thought they were going to go with it, but it's kind of sweet, showing his understanding. Um, but that's not how I thought that scene was going to play out. I thought it was going to be a whole other fight. Um, Martha Kent gets the bench she sat at a lot in Smallville named after her, and then this is where we talked about earlier. Lex sees Clark and Lois sitting on that bench, and he's furious and breaks his little AI alarm clock and throws it against the wall or whatever. Um, <laughs> Jordan gets friend-zoned. He's uh, actually happy about it. And as he's walking home late at night, he gets ambushed by Tag with the vibrating arms. And I hope they fight next episode. Like, I hope we get an opening fight scene with them. I hope, like, I don't know. How do you feel about that? He probably escaped the little school that he got sent to or whatever. Oh, don't, uh, don't you find it... Um, or how, how do you feel about them like having a family fight every every episode? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I will say this: I think I think they that is kind of the, the one trope that they keep they keep having uh, revisiting. I like I like I like I like picking on it because it's fun, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> I I'll, let me say this: it is it is at the end of the day. It is a family drama. That's what the show is. And yeah, there's superpowers and superheroes, and it's a coming of age for the teenagers and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> and that's what they do. You know, families fight. Now, once a week? Is it regular? Like, you know, they, they could take a break every episode now and then. They kind of uh, avoided it and skirted around it. I don't even, I don't even want to say that. They, the boys kind of got out of it is what I'm trying to say, like an episode or two back when they got mad at Grandpa Lane. But yeah, it was still a family fight. So <laughs> it's kind of annoying, and I kind of hope they grow out of it. But I understand the purpose of it from a storytelling perspective. It's, I mean, they're a family, and they spend a lot of time at home. And like I said, there's growing pains and all that. But I, the characters just need to grow more, you know, and they're still growing up. So there's going to be mess-ups. There's going to be mistakes. Right. So, But yeah, it is, it is kind of once an episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, it, so how, how do you feel about the... Um, Al Cushing and 
wife. Because they, they made up at the end of the last episode, and then they kind of had another little argument. Yeah, no, so about that. Okay, so I had some thoughts about that. Let me tell you them, Big Apple. Um, <laughs> I uh, Yeah, it did feel like they... they and this kind of reminds me of real life, too. Uh, they did work... Uh, they did work a lot to you know come to an understanding with each other and become more amicable as a family and you know theme things seem like they're going off in a more loving direction but uh, i guess kyle's a man of habit and you know when his friend almost dies and they don't know if he's gonna come back the same and he goes out drinking that definitely causes a rift between the two of them and you know she's obviously annoyed it doesn't seem home wrecking it doesn't seem like they're gonna get a divorce because of it but it is there is some resistance and some friction between them now and it didn't necessarily bother me because it didn't feel like they backtracked completely but it just felt like we need to give this guy something to do this episode and um (laughs) you know in real families you know they do go through repeated fights so i get it but go ahead right do do you think they're building it into something or you think this is just kind of how the this these two characters play with each other um that's a good question actually throughout, throughout so the series because you brought that up it has my gear spinning and i think maybe kyle does maybe go off the deep end at some point and maybe you know he either gets into a bad fight with his family or morgan edge is like kind of losing favor with the town and he's the only one who kind of still believes in him and so maybe morgan edge offers him the opportunity to become more than he is and maybe we get like evil supervillain kyle cushing I mean that's a that's a that's a leap. It could probably not go in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so many directions they could go, and, and it, it it begs the question: Why are they showing so much of their relationship? Are they trying to give you a better look into Sarah's life by showing her parents and making them fleshed out real people with you know problems and such and so forth? The kind of foil to the Clark Kent family, mm-hmm. because even that brings up the question: At one point, uh, Sarah says, you know, we can't all have cookie cutter perfect families like you guys do like referring to jonathan and his family and that's not the case at all she doesn't know the truth but on the outside looking in they seem fine they seem fine they seem happy whatever you know what i mean right and so i think maybe it's it's done as like a foil to like you know this is a really messed up family and they're trying to make it work yeah yeah it's like a juxtaposition mm-hmm. uh, between the two and shades of shades clark of gray right are... you know because like clark and lois are technically good people but they have to deal with their things and Right. You know, it's not like that the Cushings are technically bad people. They're just flawed. You know what I mean? That doesn't make them better or worse than anyone else. That just makes them human. Right. Yeah. They, they each come with their own issues. and Exactly. Handle them differently. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? No, that's, that's all no, I got. Thank you for the questions because I was like, fuck. <laughs> I should have written more questions down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, should we keep it moving to Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. So... Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode two. Uh, we open up on a very nervous John Walker reminiscing at his old high school locker before going out to the stadium to get interviewed as the new Captain America. Uh, John is complaining about all the public speaking and senator interviews when he is you know, eager to do the job of fighting. Hoskins, his sidekick, reminds him this is the job now as well, like how the original OG Captain America had to do all those you know, uh, press tours and all this you know, campaigning for the USO back in the day. This is new to him. They, uh, Hoskins said two weeks ago they were just, you know, ordinary soldiers planning for a mission. And um, here they are. This is their life now. 
so John, you know, he seems likable enough. I know you didn't agree with me last episode, but I just, something about his smarmy smile at the end, I was like, ugh, look at this government hack. Like, I just, seeing him in the costume, like, rubbed me the wrong way, and I was like, ugh. But they make a, they do a great job of introducing him from his perspective, like, as a very human, and, you know, just, he's just trying to do his best. This is his struggle, this is what his new reality is now, and we see that. We see that apprehensiveness. And it's, it's kind of endearing. It's fun seeing Bucky watch him on TV, angry at his comment about having never known Steve Rogers, but feeling like he's a brother. I saw that little snarl in Bucky's uh, face, and <laughs> it was just amusing. You really felt how awkward that whole uh, interview was, especially for like Bucky and, and uh, knowing who Captain America actually is like in person. Yeah, no, it, it it was really, really good seeing that juxtaposition, how, like, he's sitting there, like, ugh, like, grating his teeth, like, you don't know him like I do, and yeah, you, you really felt like it was it was really awkward, and it was good, it was really, really good storytelling. Bucky is upset with Sam, and he argues with him in the hangar about, you know, what Steve wanted, why didn't you take the shield? They go back and forth for a second, and then Sam fills Bucky in about the Flag Smashers and what he's got to deal with right now. Uh, they banter about the big three, androids, aliens, and wizards. And I was like, true. They have the whole Gandalf talk. And then they fly over Munich, or Munich. And Bucky just jumps with no shoot and just hits the ground in the forest. And I'm like, bruh, you're lucky you're a super soldier. Bucky's eager to take on the two flag smashers, but Sam's hesitant to approach because he feels he wants to fully you know, assess the situation. Their bickering almost gets them found out, and they pursue full speed ahead after the truck the baddies are loading leaves. Uh, Bucky attempts to save a girl who he thinks is hostage, only to find out everyone involved in this is a super soldier, apparently. And Red Wing gets destroyed, which Bucky has always wanted to do. <laughs> I thought that was amusing. And uh, the two are pretty much getting thraxed when, bam, John Walker and company arrive on a helicopter to assist. that take you by surprise, or did you feel that coming? Um, not necessarily. Like, I didn't feel, like, surprised. Uh, but... I thought I thought it was a, a good uh, it was good seeing the uh, how both teams work mm -hmm. or both pairings work right. and and the uh, stark contrast with uh, you know who this new Captain America is versus kind of what uh, Steve Rogers was. It's funny you should mention always yes. It's funny you should mention the contrast because now uh, upon looking back. Him and Hoskins, or Battlestar as he calls himself later, um, they really were working as a team. Sure, they were fighting separately, but I mean, at one point, New Cap, you know, throws his shield and saves him after he falls off, gets hit off the back of the truck, and, you know, he's doing his best to take on these super soldiers, but he just can't do it. But they work together, you know, as a unit. Whereas, yes, Sam and Bucky are working together, but it's very reluctant, and they only really save each other if they absolutely have to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and their their banter back and forth led them to ultimately fail. Exactly, exactly. Whereas uh, um, Walker and and Hoskins, I, I mean, they they were up to the task in terms of their cooperation and stuff, determination, yeah. maybe even uh, yeah, preparation. But they they weren't they didn't have the right like skill set right. to beat them exactly at that moment exactly. So yeah, you know, Falcon Buck dip and John and Co. get get overpowered really quick. And after some countryside banter, John and Hoskins pull up in a car and convince Buck and Sam to get in finally. They talk for a bit and we learn that, you know, New Caps hacked Falcon's tech, citing that, you know, he is government tech and they are the government. 
And, you know, we learned that, like I said earlier, Lamar goes by Battlestar and that sets Bucky off for some reason. So they get dropped off. <laughs> and after after John indirectly. Inst- I mean, did, did he say? I mean, it was it was bubbling, but like you did. I saw his reaction. Like after he said, he's like, Battlestar, really? Stop the car. Pull it over. Pull over. Right. <laughs> set him off. I mean, it's it's funny because um, this whole episode, it. It uh, kind of makes them feel a little ridiculous the way they they uh, go about uh, their business as the new C- Captain America and Bucky. In terms of what exactly? Wait, um, what do you mean? What makes them feel ridiculous? Well, because like the the nickname or the the how would you call it? the superhero name that that Hoskins has is is Battle Battlestar, and how that that's such a like. Like a comic, like like uh, it's always hard to adapt comic book characters because of the ridiculousness that comes with the costume right. and with the superhero. Right. And uh, in, in this case, it, it shows even more so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because of how how normal these guys are mm-hmm. comparative to Captain America, like uh, Steve Rogers and and friends. Yeah. No, I I get where you're coming uh, from, man. I just I thought it was hilarious that you know Bucky was mean mugging the whole time and and that's what sets him off. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they get dropped <laughs> off, and after John directly insults Sam, they part ways. Um. We learn there are sympathizers across the globe for the Flag Smashers, and apparently the GRC cares more about the folks that came back than the ones who let who never left. They have that whole a whole catchphrase: "One world, one people." So we see what some might call extremists, like these people, these movement, they feel they're justified and they're gonna do what they can to set things right. Um, Bucky wants to take the shield from Walker by force and Sam reminds Bucky about them being labeled enemies of the state back during Civil War uh, Bucky takes Sam to meet Isaiah Bradley who we learned was made to be a super soldier back during the Korean War and sent to neutralize a rogue winter soldier even taking half that metal arm with him so I was like nice uh, the government imprisoned him and ran tests on him for 30 years not nice and uh, Isaiah may be old but when we see him fling the Altoids tin to the drywall we know he's definitely still super uh, Isaiah is infuriated and demands they leave. Um, and then fans I read are speculating that from the use of this old man's makeup, we may see a flashback of him and Bucky at one point during the show. I don't know how likely that is, but I think a flashback for him, whether Bucky's there or not, could be possible. Because I mean, the actor doesn't look that that old in real life. You know what I mean? So. Oh, he doesn't. No, no, I IMBD'd that guy, and I, I was like, where do I know this guy from? He was actually oh, wow. he actually played um. Martian Manhunter's uh, father in Supergirl, and uh, he definitely he looks like a a man who's you know just now aging into his fifties or sixties. He does not look like he's eighty plus, whatever he did during the show. So that's why that's where that theory comes from. Wow. It's like wow, they really put old man makeup on him to make him seem old, old. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be interested in seeing a flashback um, to, to to that fight. Yes, story that we're talking. About. I would yeah. love to see a flashback to that. Um. Sam is heated on the street and, you know, asks if Steve knew about the first black super soldier that's been under wraps for all these years. And Bucky says, no, he never told him, you know. And then some presumptuous cops haggle Sam and give him a hard time until they recognize his celebrity. And then they end up arresting Bucky because he missed his court-mandated therapy. And I was like, come on, Bucky. Um, So lots of social commentary this episode, and, you know, rightfully so. So they're doing it tastefully. I like it. Um, Hmm. Let's see what else. <clears throat> some strings get pulled by John Walker's Captain America, and not only is Bucky now freed, he no longer has to go to therapy, much to his doctor's chagrin. 
and she's at the station, and she demands one final session with the two of them, uh, a condition of his release, she calls it. And uh, a tense but comedic couples therapy ensues, and then they put a pin in it after some minor breakthroughs happened. How'd you feel about that scene? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really good scene. Um, Yeah. Sorry, let me come back to the mic. They do some, um, you know, they do some staring contests, they do some posturing, but eventually, you know, Buck reveals that, like, why didn't you take the shield? And Sam's avoiding, like, telling him the truth. Uh, or at least coming out cleanly and Buck's like, you know, if, if he was wrong about you, he was wrong about me. And so like, he's kind of having this existential crisis a little bit and, you know, kind of questioning his purpose. And especially now that Steve's no longer really in the picture, alive or dead or retired or whatever the case is, you know? So, uh, but they still kind of, uh, leave off, um, you know, kind of chest puff. So they definitely, the whole banter, you know, buddy cop is definitely going to continue throughout the show. I can feel it. The two get confronted outside the station by uh, John Walker and Battlestar, who are still trying to work with them, and Bucky and Sam, still very sour about the shield and reminding them they are free agents, say they could never team up. This allows us a glimpse of Walker's dark side when he threatens they better not get in his way, and I was like, ooh, ominous music. So (laughs) I think that's going to play into, um, (laughs) I don't want to say him breaking bad, but possibly if they're going to go the full US agent route, and you know, when does he get the the super soldier serum? Because... It shows that he's not good enough as just a normal man compared to these, you know, larger than life opponents he's facing. So at some point, I think he's going right, to he's going to do something extreme to prove how good he is, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's going to want to get the edge at some point. Yep. And he's already kind of I don't want to say, well, I don't want to say unstable, but he's edging there. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. so um, the group of flag smashers we met earlier sacrifices one of their own to escape on a plane with a shipment of stolen goods. And then Bucky reminds Sam Hydra was his people and that Zemo knows Hydra better than anyone else and they decide to go speak with him. So that's what we're going to pick up next episode. Um, we knew he was going to be in this, but uh, how'd you like that little tag? And you're like, would you rather have just boom, we walked up with it next episode? Or are you hyped for Zemo? How, how do you think he's going to play a part? Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing... Um, you know, there, it's a possibility that maybe he... Is the the supplier for the like the super soldier serum, or maybe he um, is like another foil for the flag smashers? Or, yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah. This is a. Go yeah, ahead, it's go a ahead. Oh yeah, you go. You go. No, ahead. I'm saying this might be a long shot, but I'm really interested to see if they go the whole enemy of the enemy was the enemy of my enemy is my friend route, and maybe. You know, they're. I'm sure they're gonna have words, and it's gonna be apprehensive at first. But you know, they might end up working together. And I'm not saying Zemo's gonna see the outside of a prison cell, but he just might. And if so, does he help Bucky and Sam stop the Flag Smashers? Because <clears throat> even though in Civil War, you know, he was like quote unquote making super soldiers or reviving them, whatever. He never, never wanted to do that. That was never his real intent. He hates the supers. He thinks they make the world worse. And so. Right, I, right. I really, I'm really curious to see what side he's gonna play, and the show does play a lot um, into gray areas, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, where his, his loyalties lie and what, what exactly he's gonna do. So I'm really interested. Yeah, I want, I want to see if uh, maybe Bucky and Falcon uh, are, are the reason that he's out of prison at some point. Right. Yeah. Is it because of like, that? Do they, yeah. do they break him out? Right. 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 It's Mr. Free Agents. 
So I'm really curious to see where this goes. So. Also, uh, Emily Van Camp's Sharon Carter. I mean, she's got to fold in at some point. We've already had two episodes down, and it's, she's in four right, episodes. Right, right. So she's going to be in all of them going forward eventually. Or not eventually. She has to. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited <laughs> to see you know, yeah. just how that plays into the buddy cop dynamic and how much time they spent together. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel about them uh, folding in uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley? Isaiah Bradley? Name? Yeah, Isaiah Bradley's uh, story. Um, well, here's the thing. So his grandson answers the door, right? And right. I better look this up so I don't sound like an idiot. But I know he, he apparently has a... Uh, oh, right. He's he, like a young Avenger. He's uh, supposed to be part of the young Avengers. Yeah, I forget his actual superhero name. Um, he takes on the mantle Patriot. That's what it is. So one of the founding members of the young Patriot, Avengers. Yes, right. So anyway, that being said, uh, they folded him twofold. Uh, one for the social issues, and two because that can build. That's going to build eventually into the young, uh, young Avengers. I think that's why they even showed his grandson in the first place. You know what I mean? So I, I mm-hmm. he's only credited for one episode. So they, I think that really was, it was, it was two reasons. Like I said, it was to show the social issues and then also set up the future, set up, you know, them doing right by his grandson and him, him becoming a proper hero and being treated correctly and all that good stuff. So I think the inclusion was uh, well done and worth it. And if we get a flashback in a future episode, awesome. If not, you know that sucks. But yeah, I, I think it was done. It was done well. Um, do you have any additional thoughts on that? Um, no. no. I'm trying to think if I have any other questions for you regarding this episode, Big A. <laughs> was there any standout moments, or did you just enjoy it overall? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I like the, um, yeah, just the contrast between the characters. For real. How different uh, Walker and and Hoskins were comparative to to Bucky and Sam. Yeah. I'm going to miss Red Wing. Had a lot of personality. Um you you think this is a chance for for them to bring in the the real bird? You know, anything's possible. <laughs> I think if the, if there's any time to do it, it's yeah. now. And also, I know his uh his costume changes a lot, but I think that they're gonna probably be due for an upgrade by the end of the the, the show. I mean, obviously, assuming he isn't, right, he's probably. probably gonna take up the mantle of Captain America anyway. But regardless, it's gonna be a new design, and I'm ready to see something new. Yeah, yeah, it's it's possible he'll just get a new a new robot too. New drone. I mean, probably. Yeah, like a new Red yeah. Wing. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's us for today, huh? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Media Mantras. As always, I'm Mathian. And I'm Adrian. Yes, you are. And uh, that's a wrap. <laughs>